Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, it's time to rebrand your toaster. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Seth Nelson. I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Pete Wright. We've talked about divorce and the law. We've talked about the emotional rebuilding after divorce, too. But somewhere in between the legal and the emotional exists the practical. How do you present yourself to the world? This week on the show, we're talking about brand you. Becca Bicott is a writer based in Washington, D.C., and the pen behind Bride in Reverse, a personal branding and lifestyle blog that celebrates how to reclaim autonomy after this big life change. Becca, welcome to The Toaster. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for inviting me. I'm very excited about this, and I'm going to start with your music post. Uh, You wrote a blog post about how breaking up with music is hard to do. Yes. And I got very excited about that because uh, I I found some research for another show that we were doing that talked about how when your favorite band breaks up, it is effectively, it feels chemically like you have just broken up with someone. Like, for me, it's when Prince died. I was crushed. As an adult person, it was devastating because I'm so such a fan. And I just realized, oh, my God. This is the same chemical stuff, the garbage that's happening when you break up with somebody and that you found words to write about that your relationship with music in that regard. I thought that was really lovely. Oh, thanks. I mean, music is one of those assets, emotionally speaking, you can't really split up when you go through a divorce. Like you'll hear whatever song you heard during your relationship at odd times. And obviously it'll pull some heartstrings and make you remember different things. And it takes time before you can get back to those bands you love and those songs you enjoyed. Or in my case, you can like you know, find a whole new reason to love a different song, but that has a tangent to whatever old music you enjoyed. So um, in my case, my ex-husband and I danced to uh, Van Morrison's song. Um, the song was originally by Bob Dylan. It's all over now, Baby Blue. And them did a cover of it. And my ex was a huge Bob Dylan fan. And it took me a long time to decide if I was going to be able to get back into Bob Dylan after I left him. And I was never a huge Bob Dylan fan myself, but I like went to tons and tons of Bob Dylan shows and heard Bob Dylan sing, which in person is not always as good as his actual albums. But anyway, Van Morrison happened to be an artist who we danced to at our wedding. And then when I discovered It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, the cover by them, it's this incredible song about just moving forward and leaving your past behind. And that was my song. And that was kind of how I tiptoed back into not only Bob Dylan, but Van Morrison and many other bands besides those two. Well, I I love that as an entree to our conversation today because I feel like it it is so representative of figuring out your identity after a divorce. And and I I'll say, you know, we and we say all the time we try not to have gendered conversations on this show, but um but from the perspective of a woman who has taken a different name, right, uh, in in the marriage process. Now to sort of undo that, there is this this bit of a rebranding that you have to go through, and it's something that you have been thinking a lot about. Before we get to rebranding, because it's fascinating on, on what we're about to talk about, I think we need to back the conversation up. Is 
what happens during a marriage where people lose their identity, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I understand people get married and, you know, usually sometimes the woman will change her name. Okay. But what happens in that relationship where you lose your identity and what can you do to avoid that? So you don't necessarily have to quote unquote rebrand. Becca, if you're willing to share that part of what happened during the marriage first, before we get to all the amazing things, which we definitely want to talk about what you did after your marriage ended. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to talk about that. Um, To be very candid, I think during my marriage, I didn't really express a lot of what I wanted. And when I did, it wasn't always heard. And I think that's a process for any couple, like learning how to thoughtfully listen and receive whatever the other person is saying, even if you don't agree with it, and learning the art of compromise, right? Um, I know I felt like I lost my identity because I just got to a point where I felt so defeated and so unacknowledged and broken down that I just didn't feel like I could assert what I really wanted. And I mean, just to tie it back to music, I happened to introduce my ex-husband to a band called the Dandy Warhols, and he really loved them. And I was like, okay, good. This is an artist that we both like. But after that, we would go to concerts and he would consistently mainly want to go to Dandy Warhol shows. And I like seeing a band just as much as anybody else, but I'm very open to like seeing a lot of different groups and not just doing the same thing over and over again. So it became this weird thing where whenever we would go to a city, which I desperately missed being in a small town living with him over the years we would go to a city and we would see dandy warhols and i'd be like so disappointed because i wanted to go to cities for many reasons and that was like our one tangible place where we had reached some agreement on how different we were with things we enjoyed and it was the letdown (laughs) and so um one thing i wrote about in that music post my ex also loved bluegrass he also loved uh lots and lots of, you know, kind of more folk music. And after I left him, I went to, you know, electronica shows. I got into all kinds of music I always loved and had kind of kept undercover. Um, And just to reassure you all, our, our relationship was not all music dominated. It was just a big deal for a while. I was a DJ when I was in college and a cultural critic for a while. So Anything re- relating to the arts or music was like a part of my heart. and to It's have- in your DNA. That's yeah. in your DNA, right. Well, and it sounds so much like things are, like it starts to be, it, it's like identity theft, right? It's like, it's like, ah, how could you take this from me and turn it into something that it, I didn't, I didn't mean it to be? Well, that's one part that happened, I think. I had a much different experience, Pete, is no one took my identity. I gave it away. And I was the willing participant. When I got married, I was married for the first time. I became a stepdad. I was starting my new career uh, as an attorney. I was an attorney for one year, but was just going into private practice after I clerked, was a federal law clerk. And we bought a house, did a big addition on the house. We had a child. And then all this happened before our divorce in three years, which as Pete knows, my girlfriend does not call a uh, marriage. She calls it a long weekend because it was so short. But I, so all those things that I was doing, I was an attorney. I was a stepdad. I was a husband. I had this overwhelming sense of providing. And so, I, and I wanted to be there for the kids and, and for her and my wife and all this stuff that I was doing. And I just got lost on who I was, which led to all sorts of 
stuff that I didn't even realize was going on. My chest would get tight. I would get tired. I was, you know, always being pulled in directions and I just didn't have any time for me in like, who am I, right? Other than all these other roles for other people. And it isn't anything that anybody did or said. I let societal pressures, you know, mount on me that were my own making in my own head that weren't necessarily even there. And I want to be very clear, my former spouse didn't do anything wrong or tell me I should have done any of those things. I would bet if I was talking to her now, she would be like, I would have loved for you to go for a run, <laughs> like go play golf for a day, like take a break. And, you know, and so I think that is an issue that happens that happens just naturally without anyone doing anything other than what you're doing to yourself. I completely agree. They're almost like societal pressures you put on yourself about how you're supposed to be in a marriage. And some of them are very valid and like align with your values. But then sometimes it's like you sort of let it all eclipse who you really are, kind of speaking to what you're describing. It sort of sounds like. Um, and then I don't know. I think also it's true that no matter how bad your divorce is afterwards, you do learn that maybe your ex did wish you had been more assertive about something you really needed or had taken that time for yourself to be in touch with yourself beyond the context of your marriage or to be a better partner to your spouse. And it's really tricky. I feel like a lot of that you find out sometimes, hopefully with the right partner during the marriage, but afterwards, a lot of it comes out of the woodwork too after the relationship is over. That's what my girlfriend always says, by the way, Becca, is never date a guy when it's his first marriage. Hopefully you get him on the second time and he's done he's all the hard work, all you know? <laughs> right, you know? I mean, there's a lot you learn the first time around. Um, and I wanted to mention something else about societal expectations and identity. Um, bread in reverse, I was really nervous about launching anything about what I was doing and sort of this blueprint I was creating about my life. And I intentionally chose Leap Day the year I launched it um, because that's a day that women traditionally, I guess in the past, asked men to marry them or something. And in my mind, I was going through this creative idea that by launching a, a blog about how it's okay to admit something didn't work out and like explore how you're rebuilding yourself. It was sort of the opposite end of that. I don't know how to explain that, but it was like the whole bride and reverse name, like just kind of taking a different aspect of how you can grow beyond marriage and starting it on leap day meant something to me. It was kind of an interesting day to launch it. Did you know that Seth? Did you know that about leap day? I did not. Fascinating. <laughs> I've never heard, it really, I've never heard that. And I'll tell you, I'm talking to my girlfriend tonight. I'm going to mention that to her. <laughs> so. <laughs> she can ask at any time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I truthfully did not know that either. I think I was just, I have a background in digital marketing, and, but I wasn't really looking for like that cheesy, perfect marketing moment. It was just like in February, this was happening. And I was just thinking about the pressure we all are under to, get married and to not fail in your marriage. And I was like, what's well, an interesting way I can launch this positively, but in like kind of a, I don't want to say subversive way, but a way that kind of challenges the traditional path lines of happiness all of us try to follow, or many of us try to follow, I should say. At a minimum, it's a wink and a nod. But also, Brian Reverse is probably just over a year old now, right? To actually be honest, it's it's been around for a while. Um, I launched it in 2016, and I've written on it for a long time. And it's been really uh, rewarding and great. Like I get emails even now when I haven't published in, in a couple months that 
you know, someone has found something on there that has really affirmed something for them. I actually got a random Facebook message, like literally two weeks ago from another person who lives in DC. And she was just like, I've been meaning to try to reach out to you. I want you to know how much it meant to me to find your blog. And I even have ideas about other things that I'm trying to figure out that relate to starting over that I'd love to talk to you about. And I thought I was just, like I said, I invented this blog to almost be an experiment for myself to figure out things step by step, like getting out of debt, dating everything. And people were responding to it and just saying, Hey, I really connect with this. And it made me so happy that it was resonating with people. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the, let's move on to the post-divorce part, because that, uh, that's the part that I think is it, it, it's where you can get stuck, right? Which is this idea. And the way I have it in my head is that you're sort of presenting a double life, right? That there is this identity that you had crafted with your, with your former spouse. And now you're, you're in this transition period where your name isn't your own. You're doing things differently. You have this giant hole in, in, uh, you know the, this practical hole in your uh, that is that exists as baggage. You know whether it's your home or your job or whatever. Uh, and how do you go about you know figuring out how you want to present in the world? I think it's definitely a strange and arduous process. Like little things that just pop up in your day to day that you realize you really love that maybe you didn't let yourself have before. Um, something that I've written a lot about for me, it was things like buying flowers for myself every Sunday from the farmer's market. It was cooking vegetables that I knew my ex hated that I really missed making. It was, um, trying new things. Like, I think a lot of people go through this phase, like to speak to your point of, you know, you're not sure what to be like, you try stuff. I took a dance class and like became certified to teach, um, this type of dance at the time. And I don't do that anymore, but I was just grasping for something that would wake up a new part of myself that would allow me to kind of like reignite who I was supposed to be after the fact. I think holidays are tough. One thing I really wish I had done differently is my first um, Christmas, the year after I left my ex, I made this weird decision that I was so sad and, and so embarrassed about what I've been going through that I wasn't going to go home and spend Christmas with Christmas with my family, which is kind of nuts. Like you really want to be with your family, hopefully when you're going through a tough time, depending on your relationships with them. Yeah. I was about to say, you haven't met my family. Like (laughs) I'm I'm with you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So like I ended up staying in my apartment. I had just gotten a TV stand. I had never built anything by myself. I hated anything relating to engineering. And I made myself for three days, get this stupid uh, TV stand built. And it was the best triumph ever. And I was like, I can build things. I can, you know, figure out these problems that I let my ex take care of that I now need to do on my own. And so I think it's just little tests that you give yourself. It's really strange. Those are the main things that helped me. And then obviously, you know, when you're dating, you're like trying to sort of observe if there are things that you are continuing to run into that are bad things that your ex made you feel or just behaviors that you created in the relationship that are like things you want to try to change about yourself. Um, I think when you're starting over, there are a lot of different months like that where you're getting out there and you're like, okay, wait, does he remind me of my ex when he says that? Or am I projecting all my resentment about what happened in my relationship? Or you'll say, Hey, wait, this is actually great. I want to be with someone with a great sense of humor, or I love taking this guy to a party and not 
worrying incessantly if he's going to be able to socially deal with things when I'm not standing right next to him. You kind of went quickly through that. And, and my ears kind of picked up on something that you said that when you first started, you're trying all these different things. And to me, that's just freedom. That is saying, I can do whatever I want this weekend, as opposed to thinking, and you decide to teach dance and learn this dance. And where as opposed to thinking of what am I going to do? Or I don't have the kids. I'm so sad. I just think of it as, wow, what? I've got all this time now. I, I literally had every other weekend off. And I call that the silver lining of divorce with children. But if you don't have children, you've got every day off to do what now you want to do. And it's okay to go find yourself or find things that you like to do and to try new things. Those are all amazing experiences. And sometimes it might just be thinking, what did I like to do before I got married? Right? Yeah. I mean, it's funny how things resurface too. Um, my ex and I did tons of camping. We did backpacking when we first met. And after I left him, I like couldn't get enough of the city. I was like, I don't want to go near grass. I mean, not, not really, but I was just not into like going hiking. And now, especially post pandemic, because I think everybody reconnected with the outside world. Like I've really discovered how much I love being outside. And I've dated men who have been really into the outdoors. And like, it's kind of been recovered. It was something that made me happy at one point, then changed because I was so unhappy camping with the person I was with. And now it's something that I'm enjoying again. I bought a bike over the pandemic and I ride all, of, all over DC. It's so much fun. And uh, that was something I used to do with my ex. Like he was really into that. And I, for a while, I just had to like, avoid anything and everything that reminded me of my old life because I was trying so hard to hear a new voice, to figure out the new direction. It's tough. It really is. It turns out maybe there were some things in that life that weren't weren't so bad, that yeah. there you can get some joy out of some of that stuff. Let's talk, I want to pivot a little bit to the digital side because I know that's a thing that, that gives people uh, issue too, is how do you handle the, you know, the social media presentation? Um, it, you, we see so many sort of tropey experiences of, um, you know, uh, in, in movies and pop culture about like, oh my gosh, when when is she going to mark I'm in a relationship? You know, how will I know when I've really arrived? Well, it's when you've arrived on Instagram or Facebook or something. But how do you unravel that for people who maybe have have only seen kind of the curated you, um, which I know a lot of people do on their social media, how do you suddenly present this piece that requires you to be vulnerable? That's such an important question. And it's something that I've thought a lot about and tried to figure out a lot over the years. And I think it's different for every person, but there's some good rules of thumb that I think really help most people. Um, one is First of all, deciding to start over, whether it was, you know, a bunch of people causing the problems, whether you realized you needed to leave, whoever's fault it was, deciding to start over is an act of courage. It doesn't need to be a failure, even though people make you feel like it's a failure. It's brave to get out of something that's not working and decide to give you and your ex the breathing room to figure out a new way to be. But hold on. I know we're going to talk about social media, but I just got to highlight this point. It is brave to get out of a relationship. And I think people miss that point. When you have a client who didn't understand the finances, didn't have control of them, might not be employed for a long time, is worried about, about seeing the children or if, if they're not married, worried about how am I going to support myself? 
all that crazy, unknown, scary stuff, and you finally say, I'm going to step off this cliff because I can no longer allow myself to be in this other relationship. That is brave and it takes courage. And I just really wanted to highlight that point because I believe it so much. And people look as like, oh, my life, my marriage was a failure. My marriage didn't work. It's all this negative. And I think it's the bravest thing people do. That's great. I mean, I, I think more and more people need to say that because there is so much guilt and there's so much of a stigma. I think people sometimes think is out there. And in terms of um, like, how do you digitally present yourself? How do you tell, how do you convey that on social media, for example, I was really struggling with it for a while, but I decided, okay, I'm going to launch this blog. I'm going to chart my path and just be really honest and open about things that are not working, things that I'm figuring out, celebrating the little joys. My last name was a big issue. I actually wrote a post called um, TBT, my maiden name, personal branding after divorce or something like that. I had been a a speaker and in higher ed- education. I worked in higher ed for a long time. And so I'd been a keynote and I had published all this stuff under my old name. And I was like, oh no, I, I have, I want to go back to my maiden name. And how do I do this with a professional like history of my name being out there under my ex's name? And so I wrote a post about it on Medium. I was like, this is a, this is a challenge, but I'm going back to this. And it got picked up by Medium. It was featured on the homepage. So it was kind of like the ultimate thing because I was talking about how do you redefine yourself and a post about changing my last name and how to do that on social media took off. And one kind of tongue in cheek thing I did is when I finally announced the blog was live and that my name had changed, I put it out there on Twitter. I think I said, TBT to like my old last name, please, this is my name moving forward. And I like linked to the blog post. So I gave myself a story to share And it happened to resonate with, I guess, like the editors at Medium and they picked up on it. Um, I never really put out a big (laughs) announcement on LinkedIn, although that seems to be what people do nowadays. They're like, I was in the grocery store and I let five people in front of me. And like, now I know everything about, you know, hiring or, you know, people really pour their hearts out on LinkedIn. I did not do that, but I used Twitter. I went on Facebook. It was the first time I told people on Facebook, which is like my family and friends primarily, that I had gotten divorced and that I was starting over. And the way I did that is I linked to this blog post about changing my name. And I was like, listen, I just want to let you know this is happening. And here's where things are at. And this was a gradual mystery, right? Like I announced I was moving to DC and I was still connected to some of my ex's friends at the time. And they were like, is he going with you? And I like, couldn't dive into like a Facebook comment saying, well, actually we're splitting up and like our marriage is over. So like, I hadn't even been brave enough to jump into that. And this was like my first moment where I was like, this has happened. I've changed my name. I want to be brave about this. And here's my new name. And luckily it got picked up by a few social media things. And my friends and family were like, this is great. Thank you for sharing this with us. We're, we're really proud of you. You know, you're going to be okay. Pete, this just, this just goes back to every time anyone that we've talked to on the show says, I was scared. I was vulnerable. I did this. And what I got back was all this love and support. Yeah. And that, that, what I, what I, to that point specifically, I mean, you, you are presenting it 
Uh, Becca, as if the social media folks were picking it up and they were sort of amplifying that signal, but they wouldn't do that if this wasn't a significant challenge for others, right? I mean, that's the that that's the thing that I think you you happened to stumble into in your own kind of act of vulnerability, which was, wow. How, how do I tell people in these various sort of communities of mine, right, friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, the, <laughs> the world at large, uh, uh, you know, to Instagram uh, or to, you know, LinkedIn? How do you how do you present that? And what does that face look like as you go about reclaiming or claiming who you are going to be? And a huge part of that is how do you handle the name reveal? And and yeah. so I yeah I, I mean I think that's actually that's a, a powerful journey, uh, not to be dismissive of. Thank you. The other thing I would recommend, and people have very different places they go with this. I myself had to block myself from all of my ex's accounts. I had to be very deliberate. You know, I wish this wasn't the case, but we all have his and her friends, or her and her friends, like. Yeah, team, team Becca, Team X, like, yeah. Yeah, um, and I, like, I, I had to make a tough decision because I knew these people were actively talking to my ex, and I just was like, I have to really shut this down so I don't see it every day. And I was even working in social media. Like, I didn't have a choice to not be online. So I had to really take care of myself by, A, making it so I didn't have to see any of his updates anymore, unfriending some of our shared friendships because I couldn't empathize with him at that point. Um, but again, moderating that social media consumption was key. Like if I had gotten lost in the rabbit hole of, you know, stalking all these updates, obsessing about what was happening, I had to shut that down. It's a trigger for a lot of people. And I always had the view of why do we care? We've, we've left, we've moved on, but there, it takes a long time to really separate and breaking up is like an addiction, right? You always are going back emotionally, physically, like you're, the way your body works, the way your mind works, it is an addiction and you're getting off that. And that's why people have that emotional response in, in the addiction term, you went cold Turkey. I'm cutting it all off, Right. And that's a good thing because otherwise it's really easy to keep getting sucked back in, which just simply prevents you from moving forward. Well, and that's that's exactly the, the thing. I mean, some so much of this is just protecting, just protecting yourself for for a while. Like you just, you know, at some point you you have to put up put up some sort of a barrier that says I don't, I can't, I can't let this stuff in, so that I can protect myself long enough to move on. Yeah, I mean the other side of this whole story is that so much of what we share about ourselves online is highly curated and presented, right? I mean, if you happen to still be in touch with your ex, if you happen to still be in touch with associated people in that circle, most people, they're not necessarily lying, but they're putting forward mainly the good stuff. And they may do it in a very um, elusive way that doesn't get to the heart of what's happening. Every couple has challenges. Um, and it, and that never pops up on social media ever, hardly, unless you're, I guess, like, uh, who is it, Gwyneth Paltrow? <laughs> That's like uncoupling or whatever. Yeah, conscious uncoupling, right? Kinda, eh, you know. Well, 
Yeah, I think this is mostly, uh, you know, I what I get out of this, and what I hope people are listening get out of this is that there is a uh, there is a dimension of protecting your uh, protecting your identity as you figure out, as you cocoon and determine who it is that you're going to present to the world before you commit, before you take back the ownership of the identity and and become the person that you that you are after the divorce. Lessons learned, scars, bandages, healing. And then move move on with your life, and and I think it is hard for a lot of people, it, in our experience as we hear from folks, it's hard for a lot of people to 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 take that like cut the cord to to uh, distance themselves from some of those messages, and that's a that's a really important thing to to do as you become something new. The other thing I think about Pete too is how do you want to spend your time? I am a huge believer that. Time is our most precious asset because none of us know how much we have. And it's the only thing that allows us to do everything else that we cherish. Spend time with our kids, listen to music, go to concerts, family, our, what we do for our jobs or fulfillment in the workplace. All that is because we spend our time doing it, right? So I think and advise people, be very conscious about the decisions you make and be intentional about how you spend your time. Put down your phone and go for the walk. Read the book. Take off the notifications on your phone so you're not distracted because that notification is sucking your time. So if you don't want to read someone's feed, unfriend them, block them, do whatever you need to do because you have a phone for one reason your convenience, not anybody else's, right? And if you start using the phone in the way that is intentional and social media in the way it's intentional for you, it becomes a lot more fulfilling and not just looking at clickbait or going through and getting sucked in and 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 going down that rabbit hole. Well, and I think uh, to Becca's point earlier, you you could very easily become a victim of your own past curation, right? If you've done a really good job of presenting your perfect image on Facebook and Instagram and wherever, when this happens, that can, you know, and, and divorce happens and you have to come out and tell everybody about this massive change in your life that, that may impact their relationships too, that can be even harder. It can be even harder to, um, you know, to, to deal with because maybe you haven't been as vulnerable on social media. So no judgment about your strategy, but just be aware that, you know, sometimes deactivating your account without deleting for a little while might not be the worst situation. I love that. And I especially love what Seth said about time. I couldn't agree with that more. Um, the time you have, whether you're a single parent or you know, sh- sharing your kids with your ex or whether you're single and like kind of just in this wilderness of figuring things out, that time is incredible to make mistakes, to discover new joys, to you know, make new friendships. My friendships really blossomed after I left my ex. Suddenly, um, you know, there were like millennials in my office who I hadn't talked to before in previous jobs. And I had all this time to go do really interesting things with them in the city and, and learn about how I feel like, so I'm Gen X. Um, and I know that I don't really get hung up on generations too much. Cause I feel like everybody just has their own time of how they figure things out. But I did really relate to 
it seems like millennials are really clear about defining what they want in relationships more than I felt like I'd ever been. I could be totally wrong about that. I know everybody has different experiences, but I enjoyed the time I had to start exploring all these different friendships with people younger than me, with people older than me, um, with happily married people who weren't, uh, what did Bridget Jones call it? Like smug marrieds. They weren't smug right. marrieds. They weren't into like making me feel weird that I was on my own or that I was, you know, dating a ton of people and I wasn't serious about anybody. Like they were just really supportive and great. And you have to have that time to like go meet them or to spend time with yourself. Like Seth's saying, like going on a walk, spending time alone is really powerful. Whether you're in a relationship or not. Absolutely. Uh, Pete knows that I exercise a lot and that is my time. And, and it, I was just talking to my girlfriend about this this past week is the fact with the exercise that I'm doing, it makes the time that I spend with her that much better because I get that stress relief out. I, whatever's going on when I'm running those miles or riding that bike or in the pool, it is helping my psyche. I know for certain I'm more focused at work. I am more productive at work. It's time management. But I also just feel more connected with the people around me because my head is clearer and I have that time that I'm taking for myself, which makes the time I spend with each other, with others, that much better. And that is the exact opposite of what I was doing 15, 17 years ago when I was married because I was spending all the time with people trying to like do all these things that I thought I was supposed to do. Um, and look, it's harder when you got young kids, right? Like my kid's 17 now. I can get up early and go for a run and come back. He's still sleeping. It's not a problem. You do that with a three-year-old in the house, you got problems, right? <laughs> so, um, but you, you got to just find a way to balance all that. I So far, uh, my biggest takeaway is how much I regret that she said, uh, Becca just said, I love what Seth said about time because anytime somebody loves things that Seth said is a problem for me. But and the, I, over, I didn't want to interrupt Becca no, because I know you didn't. I, yeah. she was on a good point there, but I know you got a new toy and you failed to use it at that time. Because I felt like that level of, I was showing restraint on your behalf. Although I will retroactively now say. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Pete's yeah. got a soundboard. I got a soundboard. That's the truth. <laughs> That's what just happened there. No, I, I, all of this is really, I think, super valuable. And I think if we could just wrap up, and I'm, I want to hear from, from both of you again on this question. This is because so many of, if, if we exist to save relationships, if there is one thing that you, that you know now that you wish you knew then that might have helped you save some of the relationships in the orbit of your dissolving marriage, maybe not the marriage, but save the, your relationships with others in that orbit. What, what do you think you would, you would offer? I've thought about this a lot, Pete. This is, was part of my own journey after I um, split up with my former spouse and figuring out kind of what went wrong and what, what in my own, what I could have done better. I think it's vitally important that you maintain your own identity. And so does your spouse. You are two individual people that are going to walk this earth alone every step of the way. You're with that, you're with yourself. Now, you might be walking next to someone and be together for a while, 
And I'm not saying that, oh, then you get divorced. I'm saying, you know, God forbid someone might pass away first and then you're going to be walking this earth. But you you keep your individual identities and then you still come together on things that are important to you and values and you connect and you share and you support and you communicate. But it's all about propping up the other person, right? I want my girlfriend to be the best that she can be in whatever it is that she is doing. And I know she wants the same for me in our own individual lives. And that's what brings you together. And I will share with you that, as you know, Pete, my girlfriend and I split up for a couple of years and we got back together and we were just talking, what is better now? And I told her it's the way that we communicate. But in this conversation, I think it's the way we support each other in our own individual lives. She can help me when I'm getting annoyed with something I'm getting annoyed with, or she sees a blind spot of mine. I don't take it as an attack now. I take it as support as me, the individual, which brings us together, uh, which is the big takeaway for me that I've learned a lot about myself over the years. I think I would agree with Seth on a lot of that. And what my piece of advice is actually sort of piggybacks on that. I think you have to find someone who will be with you through all the ways that you both change over time. You're going to have people die unexpectedly. You're going to have job losses, maybe. You're going to have unexpected medical stuff. You need someone who can prop you up during all those moments. And I think it's hard to know, especially when you get married really young, in my opinion, like who that person is, because you're both still determining what is your ability to shapeshift and change and respond to unexpected crises that pop up, unexpected joys and opportunities that pop up, like, or pop up. How are you going to support your person if you maybe have to move to a new city for their job? Like, how does, what does that look like? How do you collaborate as a team on that? And where do you negotiate on that so that you are also getting something to make you happy? Becca, no one even talks about those things when they get married, even when they get married older. Right? No. And when they get married, they're like, oh, hey, that's cool. I got the gun for the registry. Let me go beep, 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 yeah. beep. Right? Yeah. That's what you're talking about. And and as you get older and life experiences, my mother passed away earlier this year. I know for certain there's no way I could have come through that the way I did without the support of my girlfriend. She was phenomenal. And there's not a moment that I had ever dated anyone previously than I was sitting across with them on a first date or a second or a third or even a serious relationship and thought, hmm, I wonder how this person's going to support me when my parents get ill. That's just not something people think about. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, they say the whole thing about through sickness and health, but they don't really spell out the real life versions of what those things are. And the accompanying thing I would say also, and this is something we referenced earlier you really have to learn how to give your partner some freedom to spend time alone, to figure out things they love. I have never understood personally people who spend every waking moment together who have the same set of friends. because, And, and maybe there are people who uniquely have that going on and it works out great for them. But I think you have to have your own identity. As, as Seth has mentioned earlier, as I've mentioned earlier, <laughs> there's a great book about that actually it's called um mating in captivity i think it's by esther peril if that's her name but that is an awesome book and i wish i'd read it before i got married i think it's a great go-to book when i've been in relationships since getting divorced and it's very much about that like you don't trap somebody you don't you know make them feel like they have to be with you at every waking moment you don't you know, freak out over every minute they spend without you. You have to have trust. 
you have to have respect and you have to give yourself that time to be alone and independent and autonomous, but not abandon your relationship, obviously make that quality time. Um, but I think almost that sort of relates to how do you grow old and change and evolve together? Like if you know how to think in your own place and you know how to be your own person, you're strong enough to evolve. You're strong enough to look at somebody and say, okay, this person is changing too. And how do I get there with them? How do I accompany them on that journey? And I think that's so critical. And, you know, most people you talk to who've been in a relationship that didn't work out, they lost themselves somehow, or they didn't, um, maybe they didn't lose themselves at all, but they didn't know how to express themselves. And I don't know. And that happens when you don't respect those those areas of autonomy and and the boundaries and the boundaries like yeah, that's it yeah. you know it's not okay if your spouse keeps telling you how terrible you are at everything oh yeah it's really amazing when you realize you don't have to be a tiny in this tiny little box and not really know who you are and how to be your own person and a lot of my writing is about that it's about how do you rediscover yourself and how do you make mistakes, but then come back from the mistakes. <laughs> well, uh, it's it's uh, wonderful for you to come and share your story and your experience and some guidance on how you managed that, uh, the you know, changing tides yourself. Where do you send people to uh, read all these wonderful things? I know we'll have direct links to some of these articles in our show notes, but uh, where, where, do you, where do you point them? So happy to share um, my link on Medium. Um, I think I sent it to you all if you want to share that. Um, and the handle on that is Bright in Reverse. The other thing I'm excited to mention is I am actively working on pulling together my top posts and turning it into a book. So Bright in Reverse, the book is coming. It's um, something I've wanted to do a long time and people have told me to do it. So that'll hopefully come together and I uh, can't wait to get that out there. And. I have a Facebook group, but to be honest, um, it's kind of slowed down a little bit. People in general, I think, have not done as much on Facebook as they used to in my experience. So the best place is probably the blog and hopefully to read this book when it comes out. So we'll be, we'll, we'll Can't be, wait. We shall commence the breath holding now. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, it is, it's just uh, great to, to hear from you and to learn all about Bride in Reverse. Becca Bycott, thank you for your time uh, today on the show. And Thanks, Becca. Nice uh, meeting all of you. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so on behalf of Becca Bycott and America's favorite divorce attorney, Seth Nelson, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week right here on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Seth Nelson is an attorney with Nelson Coster Family Law and Mediation with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, How to Split a Toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of Nelson Coster. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.